this episode of Fat Girl Book Club. For this episode, we read the book Fierce Fatty by Vinnie Wellsby. I'm really excited you're here. I'm glad that you tuned into this episode because I think this episode is really special. I don't often have authors on the show, but I am doing kind of a two-parter with this one. So this discussion is going to be with the author. I'm going to actually have a discussion with Vinnie Wellsby, and I'm pretty excited about that. And then the next episode to release is going to be me and my friend Siobhan talking about this book. So it's kind of a double whammy, and I'm excited about that because this book, there's a lot of hard-hitting stuff, but it's done in a way that makes you laugh. So this discussion with Vinny goes into some things that are in the book, and I think that that's really kind of fun, but you don't have to have read the book in order to enjoy this episode. Uh, what else do I want to tell you about this conversation? I want to tell you that there are some trigger warnings for this. Actually, there's quite a few trigger warnings for this because Vinny's story talks a lot about abuse, and one of the manifestations of that abuse was using food and diet uh, to to kind of to abuse them to keep them controlled I guess in in some ways controlled in quotations right controlled uh, <laughs> so we talk a lot about that manipulation and how that affected affected their life uh, we also talk about food scarcity we we do name a particular diet in here and we talk a lot about disordered eating behaviors. So if any of that stuff sounds like it's just going to be too much today, then maybe this is a good episode for you to skip. One of the other things that comes up at the very beginning of this episode is that Vinny talks about whether or not, because Vinny's non-binary, and the name of my podcast is Fat Girl Book Club. Now, the way I've always viewed that is when I say Fat Girl Book Club, I mean me. Like I'm the fat girl, like it's, it's Jennifer's book club. But the reality is, is that it sounds like I'm making some type of a statement about who can and cannot read. Obviously not my intention, but that is really kind of the way that it could be looked at, right? There could be a view there and it's hurtful. And I, I've kind of come more, I have kind of come further along the way thinking that the name of this podcast does need to change. I can't do that right now because of all the things, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, all the things I have on the go, I'm not going to be able to change the name of the podcast, but this is coming. So Vinny and I talk about this right at the beginning and then at the end, the the podcast name will change <laughs> because I recognize the harm that it's doing and I, I don't like it and I don't want it to. Like I said, that's not the way I intended it, uh, but that doesn't mean that it isn't causing harm. So I think that that's important. So I just want to throw that out there because eventually it will change and you guys are going to be like, what's going on? Why are you changing the name? That's why. <laughs> okay, so I want to say a couple of things before I give you the bio, before I give you the uh, description of the book. First of all, Patreon. If you have an opportunity, please take a look at my Patreon. I do monthly printables, which I get really excited about. There's always something different on there. Right now, there's actually a free one available for anyone. If you are just listening to this podcast, it's a book list of alternatives to Health at Every Size by Lindo Bacon. Uh, I tried to keep it manageable. So it's a one page as opposed to, I know that there's a lot of book lists, which there's so many good books, right? That's why it's hard. 
but I kind of tried to keep it to one page of different books that you might want to take a look at and you would be okay to recommend in terms of it having more of a broader scope than the book Health at Every Size by Lindo Bacon. And that's available on my Patreon right now for anyone. Uh, it's free. So take a look at that. Uh, but I do other printables, which I think are fun. Uh, this this month, it's not up yet, but I'm going to be sharing with people some of my favorite exercises from these body acceptance books. Some of the things that I really think are worthwhile to do, like to actually put pen to paper and do, uh, that will help with your body image. So those are the types of printables that you get on my Patreon page. So take a look. Let me know if you like. <laughs> uh, I also want to say a really big thank you to my Patreon supporters. Thank you to Pascal, to Amy, and to Ace. I really couldn't do this without you. And if you'd like a shout out every single episode, please make sure that you do look at that first tier uh, on my Patreon. The reason why I've been so busy lately is that I am about to start a brand new adventure and I am so nervous guys. I'm so, so nervous. Uh, so I've been doing this podcast now for two and a half years. It's been a long time. I have loved doing it. One of the, the things that has happened because of my podcast is that I have found my voice. I went through a really dark period in my life where I was being bullied at my place of employment. And one of the ways that manifested was that nobody would talk to me. So I could come home and could count on one hand the number of times somebody said something to me in a day. And I was having a really rough home life as well because my partner, the person I was with, uh, we would both use, it was, it was a joint effort, but we would both use, uh, passive aggressive tactics. And so I would come home and I would just feel so down and my home life, I would just feel even more down. And it really, really impacted my self-esteem and my self-worth. So <laughs> when I started this podcast, I was really nervous. I really honestly felt that I didn't have a voice or that I was, that nobody would want to hear my opinion or that this, what I was doing was important, but I shouldn't be the one to do it. And what I have gained in the two and a half years that I have done this is I have been able to do things that I never thought I'd be able to do again. And one of those things is that I am giving a talk in New Westminster, British Columbia, Canada on May the 18th in front of a group of at least 45 people where I am talking about starting your own podcast. Podcasting is an amazing way to be able to speak and have people listen and find your voice and the value of that voice. To go along with that, I am going to be launching my brand new business called Fearless Podcasting, where I help podcasters start their podcasts. I will not be editing services. I will not be producing services, even though I could do those things. I am just looking at helping people to take an idea that they have for a podcast into something magnificent and stellar and show them handhold through the process of actually getting it off the ground. That's what I want to do. And I am 
just excited and thrilled to be starting all of this. So you're probably going to hear a bit more about this as we go through. But because there's been so many pieces, I'm doing this talk. So I want to have everything ready to go. So, you know, all, all the things, right? The business card, the website, the I have to pick out my outfit. Like, what the fuck am I going to wear? I don't know. <laughs> so uh, there's going to be more information moving forward. You're going to see a bit more information. And if you are interested in starting a podcast and you want somebody to show you how to do this, because I know firsthand that putting starting a podcast into Google brings up a lot of tech stuff, brings up a lot of things that just make you feel overwhelmed. And this is a way to do it that will ensure that somebody is helping you right beside you. You have a partner. It's me. I want to hear your voice. So uh, expect to hear more about that a little later, uh, especially maybe the next episode. I'll probably have some more details for you. I'm excited. I'm really excited if you can hear it in my voice. And, uh, so that's what's been keeping me busy. That's why I haven't been able to focus on maybe making an, a change here to the name. That's why I haven't been focusing uh, as much on maybe even putting out things on social media. Uh, yeah. So dropping the ball on some things in order to get another ball in the air. Isn't that the way life goes? Hey. All right. Let me tell you about Vinny. Vinnie Wellsby, they, them, is a world-leading expert on dismantling fat phobia and diet culture, TEDx speaker, and best-selling author. They went from being homeless, abused with self-esteem that was achingly low into the courageous fat activist and change maker they are today. Vinnie is trans non-binary and is dedicated to shifting the way society views fat and trans bodies through education and compassion. You guys don't know what it means to me to have Vinny here. Uh, and I talk about the reasons why in the podcast, so I'm not going to reiterate them here. Uh, but this was huge. This was huge for me. Let me tell you about the book, Fierce Fatty. This is from the back of the book. Are you a certified fierce fatty? Or do you feel less than because you feel more than? You don't have to feel like this. Learn to embrace your fabulous self and finally feel confident with who you really are. Last year, Americans spent $66 billion on trying to become thinner. What if we spent less time, money, and energy on the pursuit of thinness and instead focused on the things that actually matter? What if we could learn to love our bodies exactly as they are today? Fat, thin, tall, short, mullet sporting, or leopard print thong wearing, we are all worthy and fabulous. Please enjoy this interview with Vinnie Wellsby. Hi, Vinnie. Welcome to Fat Girl Book Club. Oh my God, Fat Girl Plug Club, I love it. And I, am I allowed to be in even though I'm not a girl, I'm non-binary? Yeah. Yay! Yeah. It should just be really, Jennifer's Book Club is kind of how I feel like it should be. Like I probably yeah. could change the name to Jennifer's Book Club, but it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't roll off the tongue in the same way, I guess. No, I Fat Girl Book Club, fat, Fatties Book Club, Fat People Book Club, Fat, fat Book Club, oh, love, like it. love it. Fatties Book Club, I like book that. Club. Yeah, mm. I do like I do like a fatty. I'm thinking about it, but Fat Girls Book Club is perfect. Well, I mean, that's because the title of your book. Oh well, yeah, Fizz Fatty, and your podcast. Yeah, and, and my social media and my firstborn child that I'm never going to have. Yeah, <laughs> all of those things. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Well, 
I am really excited that you decided to come on. And I know we kind of had a bit of an exchange and you were like, I'm not sure I could read another book. And quite honestly, in like, as I'm reading that, I'm like, you could come on and we could talk about the fucking newspaper for all I care. I'm just glad you're here. We can talk about your dog. Let's talk about Dougal for a little bit. I'm totally good with that. Oh, he's such an angel. He Every time I, I start recording a podcast or sit in this chair, he goes into his little bed beside. And when I say goodbye, then he comes out and he says, I know that you're ready to come to come and spend time with me. He's such a little angel. I love him so much, little baby. So cute. So cute. <laughs> yeah. I have one too. I have a Yoda, not a Google. It's a Yoda. And he's a long haired chihuahua. And he just sits beside me and sleeps the entire time. Oh. There's no. Oh, that's little angels I love them well they kind of uh, they're kind of the best right yeah definitely yeah yeah 100 percent of the best apart from um Dougal is very bossy and just want he's he's got he's a sketch he's got honestly a schedule if I don't do things at a certain time he stares at me and it's the most annoying thing he'll just stare and he'll do little stamps with his feet like if I don't take him out for a walk right at five and then right again at eight you know, if I don't do things his way, then he gets, he's very bossy about it. So, you know, I have to keep to the schedule to keep Dougie happy, but that's the only thing. They have their own personalities. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, little Dougie. So cute. So cute. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, yeah. I guess what we should start with is if anybody who's listening has been under a rock for the last little while, uh, maybe we could do a little bit of an introduction and you can talk a little bit about your journey to becoming a fierce fatty. Mm, as in, if they've been living on a rock, then they wouldn't know who I am. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, which That's I mean, funny, I've I'm talked like, about you on this podcast before, really? so I'm saying that they should know, wow. but maybe, maybe this is the first time they've ever listened to my podcast, so. Yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true. Um, I always think it's funny that people, like, might know who I am. Um, I say to my sister, some people think that I'm famous, don't you know? And my sister's like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, excuse me, go get me a cup of tea, I'm famous. Anyway, uh, so who I am is I am a British-Irish person, um, but living in Canada for the last 12 years. Uh, I grew up in poverty in the the city voted in the UK the worst city to live so very fabulous Um, and I grew up in diet culture obviously I was a fat kid and um, learned a lot about anti-fatness as a kid and I was very shy really unbelievably shy where you know when people know me now they're like I does not compute because you're clearly not shy, but um, it's because I had a bigger body. I just thought I was naughty because I was, you know, I was fat and obviously did lots of different things to try and not be fat. Didn't work because my body is amazing. Um, And I eventually discovered Reagan Chastain's blog, Dances with Fat. And the message was, it's okay to be fat. And I was like, shut the fuck up. And that changed everything for me because I, I'd never heard that message. And through years of therapy, I'd, I'd increased my confidence 
like generally speaking, you know, about like going to work and talking to other humans and all that type of stuff. But I was always still ashamed of my fatness and, and saw it as a manifestation of the fact that I didn't have my shit together. And that last piece from Reagan was just really kind of like a slam dunk. And now I need to tell the world the same thing, you know, do the same thing that Reagan did for me. And it's, you know, she, she's obviously still doing, but it, it feels like my life's mission to share that. So there's, you know, any other little young fatties out there or, you know, older fatties or whoever, or anyone with a human body um, can stop feeling shame. It's such an incredible story. And you talk like you go through it in your book and it's there were pieces of it that were just extremely heartbreaking and mm -hmm. for you to have taken that step not step steps or leap <laughs> to to just kind of fat is not bad mm. to get that negative thought uh to overcome that negative thought I know that negative thoughts and negative beliefs are something that a lot of us deal with. How did you move from point A to point B? Yeah, I mean, it's it, the way that I just described it is I saw Reagan Chastain's blog and then all of a sudden I was running around in my bikini. And, and obviously that was a super simplification of, of what actually happened. But I think what happened in that moment is Reagan held up a... A different perspective and so for me changing my beliefs is that the way that I like to think about it is if you think if you say if he sees a, an image in shadow so an image and and the light is behind the image so let's say it's a dog the there's an image of a dog in shadow and you can only see the outline of the dog you can see that a dog is fluffy you can see that the dog is you know small or medium or whatever but you don't really have that much information and that's the way that i view negative beliefs is is that uh, all beliefs that don't service is we have a certain amount of information and and it's true question mark true maybe it's true i mean we're seeing a silhouette of a dog and and um it's 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 true enough but we need to provide ourselves with um different viewpoints to be able to be able to see and so what reagan did and, and what I, I i continue to do was basically stand me up and walk around to the other side of the dog where the, the sun is shining on the dog and you can see it's a black dog with with brown eyes and it's playing in the sand and it's got a black shiny nose and all this type of stuff and you've got more information and so helping yourself see all the different sides of of the reality of the world really helped me change those beliefs and obviously it took me a lot of time looking at all the different um, beliefs that I had and not even realizing some of the beliefs that I had were not helpful for me um and I still probably have a, a shit ton of things that I need to work on but yeah offering those different perspectives and just really hammering it home because you're going to be given the one perspective that your body is unattractive a gajillion times every three seconds and so you need to be giving yourself the message that your body's okay a gajillion and one times to try and counteract it that sometimes that can be so difficult <laughs> right oh my goodness right yeah totally it is it is right it's not easy if it was easy then everyone would be walking around with their nipples hanging out and you know the flap showing being like I'm amazing but that's not that's not what happens oh and wouldn't that be a wonderful world where we could all right? just walk around? <laughs> some nips and flaps please thank you very yes. much <laughs> yeah, exactly uh 
Okay, there, there was so much there that I could probably dig into, but what I want to start with is your TED Talk. And the reason I want to start there is because that is how I first heard about you. Uh, I ran a small meetup group when I lived in Calgary. I've moved from there now, but I, I, when I was there, I ran a meetup group and every single time we would meet, I would give them resources. And I came across your TED Talk and it made me cry. <laughs> It was just so, it just, the pictures that, that you created when you were talking were so vivid and relatable. And then mm -hmm. the end when the, the, that brave moment, I guess I'll say it's a brave moment. I know some people don't like that word, but I, I think it was really brave when you pulled your clothes off and started dancing uh, on the stage was just, I mean, it was especially for someone who is a fledgling fierce fatty mm. is just such an impactful moment. And the people that were in my meetup group said the same thing. It was something we kept coming mm -hmm. back to again and again. So what made you think to do a Ted talk and how did you kind of come up with, I mean, a lot of the things that were in the Ted talk are in your book too. Mm. So how did you kind of come up with all of that? Yeah. Oh my God. It was, it was such a long process. I was like, um, how can I, um, spread the message? Oh, um, then I should get a Ted talk. And so I did a course to learn how to apply for a Ted talk, not even get a Ted talk, just apply, not do the thing. Um, and so it's like a whole process of really making sure that you understand what your message is. And then, um, I applied and I got it because obviously I'm amazing, um, because I think really is that it's a controversial message, right? And they love a little bit of controversy of having someone, especially in Vancouver, which is where I did it very, very wellness, very thin, you know, so having a fat person saying, Hey, it's okay to be fat. They were like, Oh, this is going to get lots of views and lots of trolls. So we want this person to come in so that we get lots of uh, views. I don't know when I thought about taking my clothes off on stage I think it was like the developing of, of the story but it was really up until very last minute that I decided that I was I was going to do that because it was just going to be me dancing um I had two speaking coaches one said don't do it it'll ruin you the other one said do it it's it's fabulous you know because one was like oh no everyone's going to make fun of you because you're fat and actually we did like a um we did some rehearsals where we where we did our TEDx talks to business groups and so oh my god I had there was a business group that I went to which was loads of old white men really conservative in this tiny room and so and, and at the end uh, I had like a little like white you know a little speaker where um my someone was going to press play you know the music and so I did this talk and everyone was kind of like uninterested in the tiny room so I wanted you to imagine it's this tiny room and at the end I was like okay like hit it with the music the guy couldn't get the music to play and so I said fuck it I'll just do it I'll just take my clothes off in in this room with men in suits without any music and so I'm there just dancing silently taking my clothes off and there's no they are they are not impressed they are just like <laughs> just like what is this fucking idiot doing we've come here for a business meeting and there's this fat bitch over here just dancing silently to no music taking their clothes off we don't want to see that shit yeah and so after that I was like um 
maybe I shouldn't do it. <laughs> and um, there was one person in the audience who came to me afterwards, one person who said, that was really good. You should take your clothes off because there was a survey at the end. Should I take my clothes off or shouldn't? Everyone said no. And um, this one, this one woman was like, you should do it. Are these motherfuckers your audience? No. Well, the fuck what they think. And so I did it and I'm so pleased that I did it because it was really, really fun and it, you know, made me happy. And I think it made a lot of other people happy. It did. Absolutely. It did. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. So what made you decide after that to write a book? Well, actually, it was a part of the the whole process of of um, writing a TED, uh, writing your TED talk. Is they also teach you how to then turn that into a book because you work on the content for your TEDx script, depending on the TEDx talk, for like close to two years. It is a giant process with about fifty thousand revisions. It every word is poured over like you wouldn't believe, and so. Um, so you, you don't want to waste all of that goodness. And so let's transform the TED talk into a, into a book and add in some extra stuff that you couldn't get into the TED talk. Wow. Wow. Well, and that explains why as I'm reading the book, I'm going, okay, there is a lot of things here that, that were in the TED talk or that I hear on your podcast. So I I know that you kind of re, well, not reuse isn't the right word because the the stuff that you're talking about like you just said this is not mainstream stuff we don't hear this when we pick up a magazine or are watching tv so to rehear it is not it's not a reuse it's it's almost like a re-putting into our brains what Mm. needs to happen yeah exactly exactly yeah so social media is something you talk about right off the bat in your book. And so I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on how social media impacts our confidence levels and self-esteem. Oh my goodness. It's so interesting. When I talk to people and I say, uh, you know, I talk to clients, I say, so tell me about your social media. Like, who do you follow and stuff? And um, some people know, okay, it's important who I follow, um, but they don't realize how much impact that, you know, weird Uncle Keith or, you know, Chad from high school sharing hilarious fat memes or whatever, how much that's that's impacting our mental health and what we perceive as reality. And so I don't know about you, but I spend about 27 hours a day on social media about, yeah, so uh, we're going to get influenced, right? And if there's things like that you think are harmless, things like, oh, healthy recipes, it could very easily slip into, oh, I need to be doing that. And, and you know, following accounts of, of fat people, but the fat people that you're following are, are all curvy fat people. They're all acceptable fat people. They're not super fat people. They're not disabled fat people. Um, all of this is informing us and giving, the, giving us those messages. And so um, it's clear to me when someone is struggling with accepting themselves that there's probably a lot of stuff influencing them and starting with social media which is where we spend so much time is a, is a really really good place and very easy to do um a good place to start yes yes so what kinds of people would you say that people should follow on their social media feed 
well, everyone who is not like you or people who, who look like you and people who have more marginalized identities that you don't hold and be ruthless about it. I mute people all the time. So you don't have to even unfollow people. You can just mute people. So you don't need to block weird uncle Keith. You can just mute weird uncle Keith. So you don't have to have that weird, awkward moment of like, why are you friends with me on Facebook? Did I do something wrong? And you can be like, no, no. Yeah. So be really, really picky about who you're following and it could be that you decide you know what i'm going to start afresh i'm going to get a brand new instagram account just fuck the last one and just go and follow um cool people and something you can do to easily follow cool people is go to any account that you like so if you went to my account fierce.fatty see who i'm following and go and follow the same people it's really easy you can just go follow 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 and then your feed is curated with some you know people who are giving you free education in your brain by them living in their bodies. So true. That's so true. Mm-hmm. And that is such an easy tip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought of doing that. That's actually kind of, it's so easy. If you're sitting there like whatever, doing watching TV or Netflix, all that bad garbage coming into your brain while you're sitting there, take your phone, <laughs> find yeah. good things. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, what's really interesting is sometimes you can go on people that you're like, "Mm, are they, are they really into like being a good person? You can see who they're following and then you can be like, "Mm -hmm," (laughs) because they're following right wingers and, you know, anti-vaxxers and all that sort of shit. You're like, "Mm, well, 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 what's going on here? Yes. It's a good case of, uh, you can see their behaviors as opposed to their, uh, what they're saying that they're doing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a big, another big thing is like, if it's a white person, are they following just a ton of like, is everyone white that they're following? It's like, why, why, you know, what's going on there? Yeah. Well, and the algorithm, like the algorithm on these, here I am sounding like I know what the fuck I'm talking about, but the algorithm (laughs) on all these social media things are like, if that's who you start following, that's who it shows you. So easy to get into those kind of echo chambers and just follow the same type of people over and over and over again, because yeah. the algorithm is showing you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when you see like, I don't know, in the online business world, it'll be like, uh, oh, there's oh, there's a conference that everyone's going to. And oh, it's look, oh, it's white, 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 thin, thin, <laughs> thin, thin, thin. And they're like, but we couldn't find any people of color. We couldn't find any women. We couldn't find any trans people. They, they don't exist. They're not in. Well, yeah, it's because it's don't yeah, it's just wild. It's like, yeah. did you ask anyone? You know? Well, exactly. And that whole understanding that the algorithm is behind it. Like, I'm not sure why you wouldn't go, maybe there is, but maybe I just can't see them because I'm not, you know, I, people are weird. People are weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you have this wonderful moment in your book where you talk about being on a, because of all the work you've done with your social media and you're on this page, and you click on something to see like you're shopping or something and the entire page is filled with straight sized people. Yes. And you just weren't quite sure something was off. That is a beautiful yeah. moment. Yeah, it's so, it's so interesting. I just remember that so clearly being online shopping, looking at the plus clothes, accidentally click a button and straight sized bodies come up and my brain automatically says, what's the you know the bodies are stretched there's something different about these bodies that they just doesn't seem quite right and it was a split second thing and not saying that thin bodies are not right but it was different and it was like oh 
I've trained my brain to not be alarmed by the size of um, plus size models, which are, you know, obviously still straight size people, but so much so that the sight of a straight size model is confusing my brain somewhat. And, and that's when, you know, I really knew that the work that I was doing was sticking because it was so normal to see fat bodies. Right. That's, such, that's so beautiful. Like that's such yeah. a cool thing. Yeah. Isn't it so funny? I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, and this isn't a small feat because even like when you talk about in your book, you had quite the relationship with food and diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about your relationship with food and dieting and then why it's so important to get off of that diet roller coaster? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was trying to manipulate my size through not eating enough food from a very young age. And I had it in my brain that if food didn't have flavor, then it meant that you would lose weight. And so I would just be eating normal food, but with no seasoning. Um, right. <laughs> my little young brain was trying, trying their best. But I mean, I might as well be eating diet food. It was the same outcome as my weight would stay the same anyway. But um, yeah, and I would be, we had a long corridor in my home hallway and I would run up and down the corridor so many laps, try and, you know, obviously become thin and um, I would not eat lunch at school and I'd hide, hide away in the library. And I would see this as, see, I understand that I'm disgusting I know I get what you're saying. Look at me trying to be a good fatty. I'm not eating food. I'm hiding away in the library. Um, and, uh, and then going into my, my, my young adult years, the big thing that I did was, was weight watchers. And I actually lost a lot of weight and became a quote success story obviously temporarily and I was one of the people who would weigh the other members and I was so fucking judgmental like you know when people would be like oh I had a bad week and they put on weight I'd be like mm -hmm, yeah well, you're so fucking greedy and I'd think awful things because mm -hmm. I had managed to lose weight and I had kept it off because I was disciplined not like these losers who couldn't do it they clearly didn't want it. Obviously it was temporary. And I, I don't know how long it lasted a, a few months before I was like, when can I start eating food again? Like, when does my life resume? Yes. Like, when, when is it that I can stop just eating lettuce and dust? And the leader was like, never, like, this is it forever. And my brain was just like, fuck that. <laughs> See you later. I'm out of here. Uh, cause it was awful. You know, you can't, you can only sustain not eating for so long. Right. Yes. And, and, you know, lots of different kind of disordered habits that I had picked up as a kid. And so, uh, because with food, I was so deeply ashamed of the fact that I wanted food, the fact that I couldn't quote, control myself. The fact that I came, you know, my family lived in poverty. We literally would get handouts from the church. Um, we were poor and I would eat food when my mum bought it. And it made me feel so guilty that I, I couldn't just, you know, control myself and just not eat that much. And it's twofold. One, I was trying not to eat food because I wanted to diet. And two, we didn't have enough food. 
And so it's like a double whammy of uh, mindfuckery, um, you know, because if you if you restrict in any if you restrict for any reason, you're going to have to binge as a result. But I was restricting because I told myself to eat was bad and because there wasn't enough food. And so it led, it led me to, um, to having undiagnosed binge eating disorder. And that got really, really bad when I was in a, my first relationship when I was 17, I dated a 30 year old guy who was the, a giant piece of shit, abusive. Um, and the only thing, any, only joy I had in that relationship was to sneak food when he wasn't around. And that was one of the things that he would do is he would control what I was allowed to eat. Mm -hmm. He would count the slices of bread in a loaf. And you know, when he'd come back, he'd count them again to make sure I hadn't eaten anything. And, um, and so he would go out to work on a Sunday evening and I would gleefully go to the corner store and, and buy, some, buy some food and eat it. And it was, I think, I, I'm so thankful that I had that because it was the only piece of joy. But at the time, I didn't see it like that. I saw it as, look at this, your boyfriend, who's so good looking, is what I, I looked, is dating you. You're so unattractive. I, I wasn't. And you can't even be good and be thin for him. You know, what is wrong with you? As soon as his back is turned, you're just lying to him and deceiving him and Da, 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 da. yeah and it was just so he yeah it was so cruel like uh, he would do things like order takeaway for himself and not let me eat anything and so he would be like you're allowed to eat a can of beans only and he'd have like you know a takeaway and it would be torturous because I was so physically and mentally hungry like I needed that and and so I had that shame, but then also the abuse of, you know, because he he uh, he was um, uh, had a problem with with alcohol, so he would you know pass out. And then I remember one time sneaking a um, a chicken ball from the Chinese takeaway, like one chicken ball, and it was just like oh, the morning in the morning he woke up, he counted them, but he, so he counted them before he'd passed out. He knew that I'd eaten one, and it was hell to play. And so I had guilt of why can't I control myself? A, a chicken ball, this tiny little thing. And I'm so guilty. And also he's abusing me now because I also ate the chicken ball. So my relationship with food was pretty uh, fucked up and confusing. And in reality, I just want to go back to Victoria at the time and be like, come on, let's go to an all you can eat buffet. And come on, let me get you all the food that you want and need and uh, you know, I, I'm going to feed you forever and, you know, do all this lovely stuff because really I was just really fucking hungry and desperate and food was the only joy that I had in my life. Wow. So on this journey to becoming the person that you are now, was it harder for you to heal that relationship with food or was it harder for you to work on body image issues or were they both about the same like I mean it sounds like with everything that that food meant in your life that there would have been uh connections that may have even been harder for the average dieter to get over yeah I wonder um I think that's a really good question I've never thought about that I think the body image stuff was actually harder for me mm. 
that's another thing is he also used to this guy used to also humiliate humiliate me and, and say like my body was disgusting and blah 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 yeah I wonder I think it was equally hard it was equally hard um because I mean this it's just so there's so much in there right there's so much to untangle and and the the abuse thing and the poverty thing and and all that shame and I think when I learned to overcome my my PTSD symptoms which I had from that abusive relationship uh, I think I came to realize him starving me was abuse and so it was easier to, to say, okay, that was abusive and that was not okay. I deserved to eat food and a variety of food and I deserved that joy in my life. Whereas my body, I was like, well, he was kind of right about my body, you know, because the rest of society was also echoing fat bodies are bad. Whereas the rest of society weren't like, you need to be abused and starve. Right. You know, I mean, they're not far from it, but you know, it's diet, yeah. but they've got that abuse element too. So, or sometimes there is obviously too, but yeah, it's kind of complicated, right? But yeah, that's a lot. That is a lot. Mm. <laughs> You'll have to put a, a big trigger warning on the episode. Like, <laughs> yes. Talking about everything in this one. Absolutely. That will be on there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how does the... Well, and even how did you get off that diet roller coaster? I, yeah, when I was, I, I learned that trauma. I, I learned, I, I learned that um, I was allowed to eat, but I still wanted to be thin and I still wanted to eat the right foods. So it was like, you're, I'm, I'm allowed to eat, but I should only eat, quote, healthy foods. Yes. And I also was working for an organic food company, which was fucking, ooh, like uh, people with undiagnosed eating disorders, every single person who worked there, you know, like basically, um, you know, we only eat food if it's quote clean, right. AKA white, you know? And so I was like, oh, I'm getting closer to being a good person because now I'm working for this organic food company and now I'm going to buy osmosis only eat organic food which is you know bullshit and I'm only going to eat good food and and all this type of stuff and and actually I I sat near the buyers the buy the people who would buy the food for this 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 company because it was like a grocery and online shopping company and so they brought in other different people um, different foods and they were like uh organic is bullshit and this food is bullshit all of this st this stuff is bullshit we get it for rich white people who think that organic is better and you know the certification of farmers as, as organic they were like this is just absolutely dog shit like this means nothing and I was like what <laughs> what do you mean and it was you know, the few level-headed people who worked for this company were pointing out what a, a load of fucking bullshit it was. And it helped me start questioning of, oh, um, okay. And um, a few level-headed people would confront me when I would come up with, with, you know, like, for example, one time I went on a hike and I got really hungry because I didn't eat food. And I almost fainted because my blood sugar was so low. And then I had to go and eat some food, you know, because I have a human body. I didn't understand what was happening with my body. I didn't understand that hunger, that was hunger. 
and I was like I need to go to the doctors because I feel this I feel this like this feeling of like needing food in the afternoon and why would that be when I've eaten a piece of lettuce for lunch and my boyfriend at the time who wasn't perfect but he suggested the the, the idea that it could be that I was hungry yeah. and I was like what what yeah um don't be stupid you know why, why would I be hungry when I've you know just rubbed some dust into my eyeballs at lunchtime um and he suggested I eat something to see if the feeling goes away and lo and behold it was that I was hungry and so luckily I had some people who helped me question those things and then um with the therapy that I was doing to help me with my PTSD and all, all other sorts of things I would then uh discovered intuitive eating and it was like oh okay done so I did it and then you know now I'm cool with food <laughs> easy peasy just read a, read a book it was great <laughs> no I, I I know that that is not your message I know that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's a lot of work to try to unravel all this stuff when when food is so I mean it's just infiltrates every single area of our life and yeah we need it yeah <laughs> but I do think it's interesting that you had this kind of backdoor experience with diet culture before you even uh came into contact with any kind of body liberation principles you know where yeah. they're telling you that you know organic stuff is bullshit which is kind of interesting <laughs> yeah right and it was only it's only because I sat next to these two guys who, ha- who were level-headed and understood science and stuff because the rest of the company all over the place, it was, you know, posters about the dirty dozen and, you know, you are what you eat and all sorts of bullshit like that that was on the notice boards. It was just absolutely awful place to be. Wow. Yeah. Okay, let's get into something that I'm really excited to talk about because I have not seen this in a body liberation book before. So you talk about something called the life audit. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that is and how it can help someone with their confidence level, with their their own journey that they're on with their bodies? Yes. I need to get a different name for it because I fucking hate the name audit. It sounds so boring and horrible, right? Who wants to do an audit? But basically um, the life audit is, it is kind of continuation of what we're doing with social media is what have you got going on around you? The people you spend time with, your friends and family, your work situation, your closet, your social media, the way that you might exercise or engage with movement, all the different things um, that you've got in your life, um, the where you spend your money. Is it supporting the idea that your body is okay, that your body is good, or is it not? The biggest area is social media, and friends and family because you know we, we've got these people in our lives that we love and even if they're not talking shit about our bodies if they're talking shit about other people's bodies their body if they are um, on a diet whatever it is that is going to be influencing us that's going to mean that they are not a safe person for us to be around and and a lot of people will say oh it's not that bad you know my mum just does talk shit about old school friends and says you know talks about how they're fat and you know she just talks about the new diet and you know is it really is it really affecting me and a lot of times it is and we don't realize it and it's not okay to have that type of violence and it is violence 
in our lives from people who are raging fat phobes. And so there's no one right answer. And I'm not suggesting people need to go out and just, you know, say, fuck you, mum. I'm never going to talk to you again because you, you're on a diet. Um, that's not realistic. There's lots of different ways that we can approach it. And, and it could be that setting boundaries is good. And it could be that, um, you know, protecting your mental health is good. It could be that um, maybe it, it maybe the answer is not not being in the life of someone and that's obviously a long process and takes time to get to that point but um, looking at the life orders looking at all these different areas in your life and 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 thinking like you know like Marie Kondo does this bring me joy does this bring my mum bring me joy does you know when I open my closet and I see all clothes that I that, that used to fit my teenager body um, does seeing them every single day does that make does that support me in my journey to loving my body or does it not you know and a lot of times we don't even realize how much shit that we have around that is you know we don't even, you know it's unconscious subconscious um that is reinforcing the message that you're a piece of shit and your body is unattractive so we have to get really kind of critical and examine all those different areas in our lives mm. I, I love it I love it. I, and actually, as I was reading, I was like, I should really pull out a piece of paper and do this. Yeah. I really should. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and it could be that, you know, it's a big thing to say your life order, but you could just start somewhere little of just going around your house, just looking in your bedroom, just looking in your living room. Uh, you know, ha have you got really cool art with loads of fat bodies or do you have, you know, sculptures of, you know, thin people, you know, just something like that. Cause you know, if there is a sculpture, it would be of a thin person. Um, yeah. <laughs> just little things you don't even realize. No, no. And actually some of the things you brought up in there were, I sort of went, yeah, okay. Especially when I first started doing this work, it was like, oh yeah, I didn't even think about the food scale I used to use, for instance. Oh. I just didn't even think about it. Like it was like, it was tucked in the back of one of my drawers. I hadn't used it forever, but it's definitely the type of thing that I look at it and I, I remember, I remember everything I went through when I was using it. And I remember, you know, yeah. basically feeling like a bag of dicks. Like you talk yeah. about <laughs> it's pretty much what I feel when I looked at that and it was like it was such a freeing thing to get rid of it yeah it was like I don't need this anymore why do I need this it's, it's yeah. holding on to something that doesn't really sustain me anymore or make me feel good yeah. yeah and it doesn't even need to be something that's related to diet culture like in I think in the book I use the example of my keyboard piano so when I came to Canada I was like you know what um I was learning to play the piano and so I bought this like keyboard piano which was you know a full-size piano you know keyboard um and uh after a couple of years I was like nah I don't want to play it anymore and I moved that thing probably two or three times to different houses and it just sat there collecting dust and when I looked at it that thing said to me you're a loser look you used to be so talented and played me now look at you your life's in ruins you do nothing all you do is watch Netflix and um you know I kept on hold of it just in case I might change my mind but really it made me feel like shit. So I threw it up onto Craigslist and some young kid came and got it. I made it, you know, a cheap price and he was thrilled. And I could then make that space to be my office where I could do my work, which was actually something that did bring me joy and money and, you know, all good stuff. <laughs> bring me the money, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be sitting down with my friend in two weeks to talk about your book. Ooh. What do you hope that 
we both get out of your book. I hope that you feel inspired and happy and feel like you're not alone in whatever you are experiencing or feeling about yourself. Yeah, and just have a, like a feel good, feel good feeling from it. I definitely had a feel good feeling after reading the book. Oh, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's what I want people to feel is just, just, you know, stop feeling shame so much. And I, I know, I'm, I'm sure other people have told you this, but you are so funny. Like, I, I just, uh, well, we're going to talk about this next, but uh, I laugh my ass off every time I listen to your podcast. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I guess we're at that point. Can you, maybe before I ask this last question about all the things that you're up to, uh, the book was done 2018, right? Mm-hmm. So like after you wrote the book, what, what happened for you? What other things have happened in your journey that uh, we can highlight? Uh, what else? God, um, I was on a BBC documentary. Oh, I, I, uh, I came out as trans non-binary. Uh, I got a, a house plant. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Is there anything else that's in there that, I, that you want me to say? No, no, no. I just, I, I just wanted an opportunity yeah. to kind of, you know, bring people up on, on things. But I, the other thing I guess I want to ask you is with, after the end of this book, I mean, obviously by the end of this book, you had all your shit together and you knew everything there was to know about being really confident. Um, but was there anything else that uh, kind of got, that kind of brought you to that next level that maybe isn't in here? Um, uh, I think, I, I presume that you were, I don't think you were, but <laughs> saying at the end of the book, I got all my shit together. I don't have my shit together. I'm a, I'm a fucking mess. Like, I don't know. Sorry, I that to sound sarcastic. It probably just didn't come out that way. But. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I think, are you being sarcastic? Yeah, because I'm saying, I don't have my shit together. Jesus. <laughs> I'm just trying, you know. I think the big thing, I think, the bi- I guess, I guess uh, one of the things I did was uh, shaving my head, which was a big thing because, you know, it was like tied to ideas of femininity and gender and being in a fat body and how fat people cannot be masculine presenting because we have to be uber feminine to make up for our fatness and all that type of stuff. And then with a shaved head going on um, the BBC documentary and however many million of people watched it like 2.5 million on the night on the nights it was two-part thing and then obviously um coming under fire big time by British people who are really fat phobic who who were like oh they're a piece of shit look at them just going around in their bikini thinking it's okay to be fat and and so um that was actually a really difficult difficult for me and wasn't a fun time and so I guess uh I guess it's like highs and lows of just because you don't think that you're a piece of shit doesn't mean that your life is always going to be perfect it just means that the way that you view yourself is not going to be a huge roadblock to doing things in life it's um yeah it's you know, it doesn't mean that I'm, it means probably that I get more trolls and, you know, more of that shittiness in, in my life because the world is fat phobic, but, but still I don't have to worry about thinking that I look gross or whatever, because right. I'm all right. Right. I'm cool. 
I, I, the work you're doing is really important and has helped a lot of people. I know it's helped me. So I just mm -hmm. want to take an opportunity and say thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, and sometimes you're like, you know, sometimes even, even I'm like, I'm such a loser. I'm not doing this right. And you know, well, I should stop doing this because I'm doing it wrong or whatever. So it's always cool to hear that. Uh, how how do you how do you like Canada as opposed to uh, Ireland or England or like yeah. what what are your thoughts around uh, us as Canadians and our own fat phobia? Well, Canadian fat phobia is very polite fat phobia. <laughs> it's very we're just worried about your health fat phobia, you know. <laughs> Whereas UK fat phobia is really really kind of like fuck you, you're a piece of shit. And so um, I think I prefer the kind of behind the back, nice, quote unquote, nice fat phobia. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Like when I, I lived in Ireland for two years, um, a year ago. So a year ago, I came back to, to Canada, but I lived in Ireland for two years. And I lived in the middle of nowhere, which is where my family's from. And the local doctor there, middle of nowhere, I told him what I did. And he's like, oh yeah, cool. We're a fat positive surgery here. And I was like, what, what, what? He's like, yeah, no, we never, we never tell people to lose weight. And we, we look at people as, as a whole person. And I was literally like, what the fuck? I'm in the middle of nowhere in rural Ireland. And there's a doctor who has a whole practice of people who are fat positive. I was like, what are the chances? And so my experience in Ireland was, was really cool. And, you know, I'd go to the local, um, uh, uh, sports club where it was all all the old ladies doing uh water aerobics and mm -hmm. they'd all be like yeah you go and you know and so it was really lovely and supportive and <laughs> yeah so that was that was cool um but yeah I, I i much prefer being in canada canada is canada is more more my more my cup of tea so. yeah we're a different breed here in canada what can we say yeah <laughs> <laughs> Although I do miss the old ladies at the at the water aerobics, they they were pretty. I bet. Yeah, I would too. They sound fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess now's the point in the podcast where I ask you all the things that you're up to. So, do you want to talk about uh, your podcast, uh, Fierce Fatty Academy? What what uh, have you all got going on? Yeah, so uh, you can come find me at uh, on Instagram, Fierce My podcast is Fierce Fatty. And I have a course if you want to learn about this stuff personally, it's called Fierce Fatty Academy. Um, I'm doing a lot of recently um, helping dietitians and, and people with businesses uh, in this world, providing training to their people. And so if you are, happen to be one of those people who, uh, if you're thin and you need help with helping fat clients, then I do a lot of that stuff too um yeah that's about it that is about it that's all that's me that's me so exciting well there'll be links to all of that below so if you're listening uh just scroll down and click it will all be there just click that uh, shit just click exactly. it. yeah yes click click it hard <laughs> yeah click <Okay>. it hard <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Vinny, for being on fat girl book club thank you jen for having my honorary non-binary girl book club <laughs> i hope that you really enjoyed that discussion i know i got so much out of that discussion because as you heard Vinny's story has meant so much to me 
And if you haven't seen Vinny's TEDx talk, I would recommend it's in the show notes. Scroll down and click like watch because it's really wonderful. Also, if you do like podcasts, which I'm assuming you do because you're here, Fierce Fatty, Vinny's podcast is really good. It's a solo podcast uh, that they will kind of answer a question every single time with science, backing it up with a lot of science. And I think that that is kind of sometimes the piece that we miss when we're talking to other people. Vinny actually pulls it out and tells you what science is important in order to be able to talk about certain issues. And I, I think that that's really worthwhile to listen to. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this discussion. I know you're going to enjoy next week's discussion with Siobhan. And I hope you will consider picking up this book because it really was uh, an interesting, enjoyable, short read. And I think right now we can all use a little bit of that. Keep reading, everyone.